Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to 2023. Happy New Year. And welcome to the January edition of the Construction Webinar uh, Series here, coming to you live from Lois Law Firm. Um, if you're joining me for the very first time, welcome. If you are returning, if you've watched my webinars in the past, thank you for coming again. Uh, we do have some exciting webinars planned this year. I'm going to change things up a little, but the focus is still going to be on construction claims, uh, workers' compensation claims that arise out of construction accidents. For those of you here for the very first time, my name is Tashia Rasool. I'm a partner here at Lois Law Firm where I defend only workers' compensation claims that arise out of construction accidents, and that's my specialty here. I oversee a team of attorneys and paralegals who also handle only construction-related workers' compensation claims. I am also the author of the firm's uh, Construction Claims Handbook. It's a plain English guide for, uh, uh, for employers, uh, risk managers, adjusters, carriers, TPAs, everyone to understand how um, the construction claims work in the workers' compensation arena, and also a little tidbit about what goes on in the general liability side and some of the most um, important issues that we see in defending these claims. If you would like a copy of the handbook, please feel free to give me a call or send me an email. We do have both hard copies and PDF copies available. Um, for, this, uh, for this month's webinar, we are going to do a quick recap on some of the trends that we noticed from 2022, and this is based on the claims that we personally handled in-house here at Lois. And we are going to kick off the year uh, talking about the benefits of coordination, the real reason why we're having this construction webinar for you to understand why we should be coordinating with General Liability Council and the benefits of doing so. Uh, in, in, in discussing the benefits of coordination, we're going to talk about the tactics that benefit the employer, reduction of litigation costs, avoiding collateral estoppel, and reaching global settlements. Just a reminder, this is a live webinar. There is going to be a Q&A session. In the end, you're going to see a box like this on your screen. You should be able to type your question there. Hopefully it's gonna pop up in my end. If we have time left, I will answer your questions right away. If we run out of time, I will be sure to give you a call or send you an email to answer your question. All right, let's get into it. So I know we're in 2023, uh, 2022 is the past, but this is something I really wanna go through really quickly to show the trends that we've seen in 2022 and what we expect for 2023. So we've been talking about collaboration between Workers' Comp and General Liability Council for a number of years now. We've been really focusing on it for the past four or five years or so. And I can say internally, we have seen with our clients increased collaboration to reduce exposure. More workers' comp uh, adjusters are talking to the GL adjusters. We're having more communication with the general liability defense attorneys. We are attending the mediations that we've talked about so much in the past year. Um, we are setting the record straight when we go to the mediations. We are um, 
confirming what's really going on and letting the mediator know, uh, you know, what the status of the workers' comp claim is, especially in situations where the claimant's attorneys are going and making very generalized statements that are not wholly accurate in an attempt to get a higher settlement of their claim. So the collaboration we've seen really works. Our participation in the mediation, I think, is extremely helpful. Clients have been uh, very grateful to have us be a part of them. So as a reminder, if you're handling any of these construction claims, ensure your workers' comp and your general defense, your general liability defense teams are talking. Make sure your workers' comp attorneys are attending those mediations. Uh, looking at all of the cases for the past year, we've seen a 30% increase in the number of global settlements that resulted in reduced exposure for clients. This is big. This is something we've been saying uh, day after day that we should, this is, should be our main goal for the claims to resolve. We should not be doing separate workers' comp and general liability settlements, except in very rare situations. Global settlements is the way to go. Consider a full lien waiver or a partial lien waiver, crunch the numbers, and you'll see how it will, um, it will result in better negotiations and reduced exposure. So definitely an increase in that. And I think it, it's really because of the collaboration we've been having with the general liability side. Something very interesting, I know this is, um, this might seem more of like a general workers' compensation issue, but we've been tracking the orthopedic repetitive injury claims that we have, which arise out of the construction, um, construction workers' compensation claims. So there's been a rise in these claims, and generally um, we are inclined to say, well, you know, they're the occupational claims. They've been a plumber or a laborer for all these years. They are going to suffer these injuries, um, and you know, we sometimes uh, have conversations with clients as to uh, whether it's worth uh, accepting these claims or denying them, especially when they are to um, SLU body parts the claimant is looking only for an SLU payout, really, and they're probably going back to work after that or doing some kind of uh, non-laborious work, but they are looking to get some kind of money for it. Our recommendation has always been to deny them, especially when the claimant has been doing the same thing over and over for many, many years, which, you know, is their career, it's their profession, it's what they've been doing. But when they've been working for your insured for a very, very short period of time, we've seen, seen bizarre claims come in where they have worked with our employer for just a couple of days or a couple of weeks, and they're trying to tack liability onto our employer. Now, we have been denying all of these and developing the record, taking depositions, taking testimony, getting all of the priors, and we are pleased to report that in 2022, we've seen the most disallowance in orthopedic repetitive injury claims in the construction, um, construction claims population. And so my recommendation would be to continue denying them. The, the board, the judges, they are carefully scrutinizing these claims. What is the claimant's main goal? To get a payout, right? To, 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 to get an SLU, to return to work, um, and then claim other injuries. I mean, we've seen these trends, we've seen these patterns with these kinds of claims. So um, continue to deny them, the board is uh, scrutinizing them, and they are ruling favorably, disallowing them. 
I will note that in the disallowances that we've seen, the board is focusing on the medicals. So this goes back as a reminder to fully and properly investigate the claimant's prior medical history. Get the HIPAA, get the C3.3, get the medical canvas, the ISO, see where he's treated in the past, get all of those records. See when he first started treated for this injury that he's trying to claim uh, as, as a workers' comp injury at this point. And do, um, do a thorough investigation and make sure the doctors are provided with all of the medical records and a cross-examinancing. That has been the basis of the disallowances on the claims that we have seen in the construction uh, claims pool here. The other thing, the final, the final notable uh, trend for 2022 is the board is more closely looking at the language and wrap-up policies. Now, we have seen so many different uh, issues where the wrap-up policy is being tagged for liability in situations where they should not be. For example, the accident did not occur on the job site or within the, 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 the scope of the kind of work that's being done on the wrap-up program. And it's been kind of an uphill battle educating the adversaries and the board um, and how these wrap-up policies are written the plain meaning of the policy, what exactly they cover. Even though the language is all in the policy, you know, when, when the board does its coverage search, they pull up the first policy that's listed. And generally it's the wrap-up because the wrap-up is for, um, it's usually for a, a, a longer period of time so it's the top of the list. And we get pulled into it and we've, we've, we've been educating the everyone in the workers' comp arena about how these policies work and um, how, you know, when liability is proper or when it's not proper. So the board, we've seen some recent board panel decisions. The board is actually looking at the language of the decisions. We've had some favorable ones where the board did affirm that because the accident did not happen within, um, within the, the, the parameters or the boundaries of the project that the wrap-up is intended to cover, the operational policy should be liable and not the wrap-up policy. This year, we will be challenging the board panel's decision, uh, finding wrap-ups uh, liable in a situation where the claimant was injured in a motor vehicle accident that occurred 20 plus miles away from the job site. Uh, the claim, the, there are two claims. The claims were litigated. The board panel found that because the wrap-up did not exclude motor vehicle accidents, um, it, it includes them, which is an incorrect reading of the policy, notwithstanding the fact that it's a commuting accident and should not have been established, should not have been compensable in the first, in the first place. So these are two that we're tracking in-house. We are appealing to the third department on behalf of the client. Uh, we do believe that the board panel has incorrectly and improperly um, interpreted the language and the policy. So we will be tracking that and I will be reporting to you um, updates on that and what the final outcome is. But that was one of the situations where we found that the board panel was uh, looking at the language and kind of like making up their own thing sometimes, right? I mean, we have gotten a lot of favorable decisions from them, but they are looking more into the language now, which results in, in um, findings both ways for us. So these are the things that we've noticed last year. We're gonna keep an eye on them in the upcoming year. Um, as one, one brief mention, the, um, 
The, the Senate has proposed a bill regarding uh, collateral estoppel. Uh, this is something we have been um, at the forefront about in terms of um, collaboration with general liability, defense counsel, if there are findings in the workers' comp claim, use them in your general liability claim. As of this morning, the website, uh, the Senate website indicated that it was returned to the Senate. Um, we do not yet have the final word as to whether the governor has uh, completely vetoed it. Um, the, the website wasn't completely up to date, but we are tracking that to see what exactly that um, what, what the final outcome is going to be on that particular issue. Something else we are keeping a close eye on in this new year as it pertains to construction claims. All right, so that's it for 2022. Let's get into 2023 now, finally. The big question for collaboration, why? Why do we collaborate? So this is how I sorted it out for you. The three C's. We collaborate when it's catastrophic, complex, and costly. These are the three reasons why, right? Because these are the, the kinds of claims that really drive up your exposure. There are two claims and two courts. There is a workers' compensation claim and there's a general liability claim. Workers' comp, as you know, is handled by the board. It's administrative. And the general liability, it's um, what we call big boy court, right? Uh, that, that's where... Um, the, the cases go to jury trials, and that's where the multi-million dollar verdicts and settlements happen. And to, to resolve, to resolve these, um, the, the differences between the kinds of claims that can be brought as a result of one particular accident and the fact that they're catastrophic, they're complex and costly, there should be one solid protocol for collaboration. So this is why we talk about it. This is why we talk about um, why it's important to have this protocol so when there's an accident, we know exactly what to do, who to turn to, who to report things to, and um, the kind of investigation that's needed. Okay, so let's talk tactics a little bit. So some of the tactics that we uh, deploy in collaboration between Workers' Comp and General Liability Defense Council, they have to do with the difference in litigation pacing. Your workers' compensation claim goes by so quickly. You can go from accident to trial in 45 days, 60 days maybe, depending on how quickly documents are filed with the board. There are differences in timelines and disclosure rules. In the workers' compensation claim, again, it's very quickly. In the workers' in, in the general liability defense claim, we could be two years out, and that claim is still in the beginning phase. It's because the statute of limitations are very different, the investigation is more intense, um, and it has uh, more parties involved and um, more witnesses, more depositions, more IMEs, and there's just more time needed on that end to develop the record. The workers' compensation end of things, the board is just concerned about litigating the claim, finding them compensable or non-compensable where, where, where it's warranted, and ensuring that the injured workers get paid and the treatment. And that's the reason it's more quickly on the workers' compensation side. Disclosure rules are different also. For example, on the workers' compensation end, if we get surveillance, we don't have to disclose them on the general liability end. If they have surveillance, they have to disclose them. Um, we can get surveillance for the life of a claim and never use them and never have to tell anyone about them, right? 
And this allows us to create strategies and tactics um, depending on what we find with the surveillance. If it's something good, we can get more surveillance, see what else is going on. If we haven't gotten anything good or anything that could be detrimental to us, we don't have to disclose it. Um, there's the, there are disparity, disparities also in claimants, counsels, domain competence, and motivation. Um, we have been seeing though more and more uh, GL plaintiffs firms are taking on the workers' compensation claims. And we know the reason why. It's easier to keep it in-house. They know what's going on. They have a little more control about it. However, we are still noticing that they do not fully understand how the workers' compensation claims work. And we should take this, um, we should use this to our advantage. We should ensure that the record is being properly developed. They're not trying to pull a fast one on us. Um, and we should be educating our general liability defense counterparts about how things work as well so they can have um, the upper edge in any kind of negotiations that go on in the general liability side because their adversaries do not have that edge. Finally, it's all about creating jeopardy in the cases. You know, the claimant's attorneys do not like uh, do not dislike anything more than the claimant's benefits being interrupted, which means that their fees are getting interrupted or the claimant's treatment's getting cut off, which means it's going to impact their uh, general liability claim. Our goal is to create jeopardy. Why have an injured worker who is clearly, clearly okay to work, why pay him at the TTD rate? Why approve all the surgeries that may not even be necessary or related to our claim? We need to, to create some kind of chaos, suspend the benefits, deny the treatment, litigate the issues. I can tell you, we've, we've litigated hundreds of cases last year um, that arise out of construction accidents. And there was a time when the judges were inclined to say or think or find that because it's a construction accident that it is automatically, um, it, it did automatically result in a lot of significant injuries or long-term injuries. However, we've been able to uh, prove the judges and the adversaries wrong. Because it's a construction accident does not always mean that the claim is never gonna go back to work, especially if it's a young claimant who undergoes a surgery and recovers in four weeks, he can very well go back to work. We've seen it in very few cases, but we've definitely seen it. So we have to be creating jeopardy by the collaboration, using whatever we have in the workers' compensation side, um, and using whatever we have in the general liability side, sharing information, of course, in accordance with any uh, disclosure or privilege or ethical rules. Oops, the most important, the most important goal in collaboration is to save money. These construction claims are costing our clients millions and millions of dollars every year, not only for the actual construction, but for defending the claims, for paying out on accidents. It is really taking a toll in the industry. And we have noticed, and as I indicated earlier, the collaboration, we've seen an increase, we've seen reduce in exposure, we've seen increase in settlements. It's, it's tried and true. The collaboration really can save clients money. It reduces litigation costs. So for example, I talked about surveillance a couple of minutes ago. If the surveillance is being done in the general, uh, on the workers' comp side of things, and it is being disclosed in workers' comp to pursue fraud or, or contest degree of disability or permanent 
impairment or what's not. It can then be used in the general liability side without having with it with with just one cost. It was one cost for the surveillance. The same thing is for a medical canvas or an ISO. If it's done on one side of the house, it can be used in the other side of the house because it's already being paid for. Um, this also goes into play with the, the avoiding duplicative efforts because there's no need to run an ISO on the workers' comp side and also on the general liability side. And ultimately, it results in lower settlements. The leverage for the settlements, and this is something we're going to talk about later in the year again, um, in a webinar that's designed uh, specially for a, a settlement discussion, the, 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 the main um, benefit to doing the global settlement is to reduce costs, and the way it's done is through a full lien waiver or partial lien waiver, wherever it makes sense, right? We're telling the claimant, hey, you settled your case on the third-party side. We are going to waive your entire lien. It's more enticing, and it ultimately saves the clients more money. Collateral estoppel. Again, I mentioned this in the beginning. This is something we're still going full force ahead with. All of the findings that we have in the workers' compensation claim, excuse me, we are conveying them to the General Liability Defense Council to see what they can do with them. Um, for example, a disallowance of a body part in the workers' compensation claim, that's key, it's essential, because if the body part has been found to not be work-related, then it reduces the value of their general liability claim in terms of lost wages that result from that injured body part or the treatment um, that they, 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 they claim that they need for that body part. So anytime we are litigating and we get new findings from the judges, we are the first to convey them to general liability uh, defense counsel. Even if they're not favorable, we communicate that as well. So they they know what to expect, right? They're not hearing it first from their adversary um, who's hearing it from the claimant's workers' comp attorney. We are keeping them apprised, and this is something you should do also. If you are a workers' comp adjuster on the file, you usually know who the general liability adjuster is. Feel free to reach out and be like, hey, this is what happened in the workers' comp claim today. We got a good result. Or guess what? The surgery got approved or the additional body parts got affirmed on appeal. So this is what you should be telling your GL, your defense counsel about. The global settlements. The goal of the global settlements is to do full and final settlement of the claims in both jurisdictions. We are talking about a Section 32 full and final settlement, closing out both the indemnity and the medicals. There's no global settlement if we're keeping the medicals open or the indemnity open. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make any financial sense for the client. It keeps the claim open, and as we know, the longer a claim is open, it gets worse. No, you know, older claims never get better. Um, and then there's a full and final settlement of the general liability claim also. Everything from that one accident is wrapped up with a nice bow, the claimant goes away, the client moves on, saves some money, and we're moving on to defense of the next claim. It's all happening at the same time, and when I say at the same time, probably within 30 to 60 days of each other. The negotiation is being done at the same time, but as you know, there's a process for the, the settlement being finalized on the general liability side, and there's also a process on the workers' comp side. We need board approval of the Section 32. 
And again, using the lien as a leverage, that's really the goal, the ultimate goal for the global settlements. Okay, so I, I intended to not bore you too much for the first webinar of 2023. This is just to give an overview of why um, we think uh, collaboration between workers' compensation and general liability is very important, it's very crucial. Uh, the main goal is to reduce exposure. Um, I hope you are going to continue watching me this year. Next month, we are going to take a, a closer look at achieving these, uh, these goals. And every month, we're going to talk about a different topic. I try to break it out into small topics that are uh, easy to discuss, plain English. I focus on um, things we've seen internally, cases that we're handling, any updates in case law. I am taking uh, recommendations for any topics you would like me to do a webinar on, so feel free to send me an email or give me a call. We can talk about it. I can create a completely new webinar, or I can squeeze it in with one of my current webinars that I have planned for the year. Um, if there's a particular uh, topic that you think someone else might be interested in, and um, you know, please feel free to share the link to the webinar. Uh, pass, you know, you. Word of mouth is the best uh, recommendation, right? And I, I, I would love it to have um, more people be involved with the collaboration process because I do think ultimately it is a good thing. It's something that's really, um, you know, we're, we're taking control of and it's taking control of the way the claims are being litigated in the workers' comp and the general liability side. So definitely invite more um, of your friends or colleagues to watch the webinars and be educated about how these claims work and how we should move them toward resolution. All right, so our next webinar is going to be in February 6th. It's always the first Monday of the month, except for the Monday, it's a holiday. That's why we're doing it today on Tuesday. All right, let me see if there are any questions. I don't see any questions. I don't think there are any questions, but if you think of anything, please feel free to send me an email and I will get back to you as soon as possible. All right, everyone, that's it for today. Thank you so much. See you next month.